series that I started last week on uh, the shortest books of the New Testament. Remember, there's five books in the Bible that are one chapter. That's one page or less in our Bible. Now, one of those books is in the Old Testament. I want to deal in this series with the New Testament books. And we got a graph I want to show you this morning uh, that kind of shows the longest and the shortest books of the Bible. Just kind of interesting trivia stuff here. We know there's 66 books in the Bible, and the longest is Jeremiah. There's 33,000 words. The shortest is the book of Jude. And we'll be looking at the book of Jude I'm sorry, is the book of 3 John, which is the book we're looking at today, uh, 219. That, so the day, today we're going to look at the shortest book of the Bible. Uh, we looked at 2 John last week. We're going to look at Jude next week and then end the series with Philemon. The average length of a book in the Bible is about the same as the book of Daniel. So kind of interesting. And as I told you last week, there's a reason that these books are short. They're short, sweet, and to the point. There's not a lot of fluff. It's like a really short text message where you just need to get the message to your loved one. You don't have time for a lot of social or, you know, uh, uh, bringing them up to date on various activities of your life. You just want them to know one single thing. So I've entitled this message, Urgent, Urgent. Because I think all four of these New Testament books, even though they're short, give us an urgent message that you and I need to take action on. Not just to store away for future use, not just so that we have, you know, a a greater knowledge of the word, but these are actions that we need to immediately put into practice. Now, last week, we looked at 2 John and the urgency of, remember what it was? Love. The urgency of love. See, Sandy knew. Those that sit closer to the front always seem to get the information. If you want to learn more, just move forward. Yeah, love. Love is the fundamental belief of the Christian life. And we we established that last week. I'm not going to reiterate that. Today we're going to look at 3 John, which talks about another urgent aspect of the believer's walk. And it's choosing your influence. What is influencing you? Now, I've preached on the subject of influence many times. We know the Bible says if you hang out with bad company, (laughs) you're going to end up in a place you don't want to be. It's really important to understand the importance of influence in our life. But before we can positively influence others, which we want to do, we need to make sure that we are being influenced in a positive, godly, biblical way. Uh, Friends, I, I just want to tell you, we need to choose with great care those who have the power to shape our thoughts, to shape our beliefs, to shape our attitudes, to shape our behaviors, because you become like those that you hang out with. That's biblical. Proverbs chapter 22. Proverbs 22, verses 24 and 25 says this. 
Do not make friends with a hot-tempered person. Do not associate with one that's easily angered, or you may learn their ways and get yourself ensnared. Doesn't mean that you can't be their friends. We want to love everyone. There's always a place in our life for other people. I'm talking about those who are closest to you. Who is influencing you? What is influencing you? What the writer of 3 John is saying here is be careful who you let close to you because people close to you are influencing you whether you know it or not. And they can lead you either in the right direction or they can lead you in the wrong direction. Now I think most of us have heard uh, the poem by Dr. Dorothy Nolte. Uh, it's called Children Live What They Learn. It's really long. I'm not going to repeat the whole thing. But it begins by saying this. If children live with criticism, they learn to condemn. If children live with hostility, they learn how to fight. If children live with fear, they learn how to be apprehensive. If children live with pity, they learn how to feel sorry for themselves. And if children live with ridicule, they learn to feel shy. That, friends, is a biblical principle. And it was written by Dr. Nolte in an essay to warn parents of the influence that we have on our children. Be careful how you influence your children. But I want us to kind of expand our thinking this morning and understand that it applies to all of us, not just children. I want you to know that during COVID, I really saw this less of an influence play out, even within members of our church. Whatever TV news you were watching tended to influence the way that you were reacting during the pandemic. It directed, you know, whether you were at peace, trusting God, following his word, or if you were all riled up and upset, protesting. If all you do is watch Fox News or all you do is watch CNBC, the extreme right or the extreme left, and that's all you feed your mind with, friends, that's going to influence the way that you see things in the world. If all you do is listen to preachers that are trying to figure out how everything that is playing out in 2022 somehow fits into the scriptures. And we always have those prophetic voices. But if that's all you listen to, then all you're trying to do is connect the dots and figure out something that is way beyond your understanding. I found that the people that just kind of were nice and steady and didn't really react, they responded, but they didn't react during the pandemic. The people who were at peace, the people who still had the joy, they were the people who were in the word daily, reading about God's goodness, reading that God was gonna take care of us, 
reading that we didn't need to worry because if a God could take care of a little bird or the flowers of the field, surely he was going to take out care of us who were created in his image. The people who turned off the television and all the pundits and all the criticism, ridicule, and all the, you know, mudslinging. And they just turned on worship music. And then listened to the goodness of God. Listened to those songs that talked about God's faithfulness. Those were the people, friends, that remained steady. Why is that? It's because of their influence. And that's what John's saying here. There's two ways to be influenced, basically. One is inadvertently. You know, it's by osmosis. You know, you just pick up the habits that everyone else around you has. There's stuff that you do that the only reason you do it is because you saw your dad or your mom do it. You just picked it up by osmosis. But today I want to talk about the second way that we're influenced and the most important to us as Christ followers, and that's by intention. Intentionality. Who are you choosing in your life to speak into you? Who are you deciding will influence you? We have to ask ourselves today, who will I listen to? Because who you listen to is who you're going to become like. That, I believe, is the urgent message of 3 John. And instead of reading the entire chapter all at once, I want to take it by section today. The first thing that I see here is that we need to choose influences that genuinely care about us. Let's read the first four verses. The elder to my dear friend Gaius, whom I love in the truth. Dear friend, I pray that you may enjoy good health and that all may go well with you even as your soul is getting along well. It gave me great joy when some believers came and testified about your faithfulness to the truth, telling how you continue to walk in it. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. That's a wonderful portion of scripture. Yeah, I think all of us have had a few teachers or professors or instructors in our life that knew the material and could teach the material, but really didn't care about us as students. I would dare say that if you think about the teachers that made the impact in your life, it was the teachers who cared about you as an individual. There are some who just want to give the facts. Here it is, take it or leave it. You, you know, you spent a semester in their class and they really never know who you are. There's pastors like that. There's people in our life who will give us information, but they don't genuinely care about us. When you choose those people who are going to have the greatest influence of your life, make sure they genuinely care about you. Teachers that teach with passion, who help their students in their calling, 
who, who makes subjects that might even seem bland come to life for us. Those are the teachers that have impacted us. And every chance we get, we like to sit under those kind of people. You're going to influence people in one and two ways. I like what William Arthur Ward once said. He said, every person has the power to make others happy. Do you believe that? One does it simply by entering a room, another simply by leaving the room. Yeah. We all influence others and we're all influenced by others. We like to be around people who care about us, who genuinely care about us. Just as John says here, man, his heart just was warmed because of how well Gaius was doing in the faith. And that should be true of the arenas of our spiritual life as well as our emotional life, our physical life. I enjoy reading. I read a lot of books. I listen to podcasts when I'm on the elliptical. But you know, the people who have the greatest influence on my life are those that I know actually really care about me. My dad, not the most intellectual, academic man, manual labor, logger all his life. But man, when he spoke, there was something special, knowing that he spoke sometimes the truth, but always in love. You know what I'm saying? I love people like Virgil and June Acton, Pastor Darth, my wife. See, people that I can trust because I know that they care about me. Even when they have to speak things into my life that I don't want to hear, it's okay. Because I know their words are motivated by love, which is that first foundation that we talked about last week. And when I know their words are motivated by love and they have a sincere desire to see me grow and walk and prosper in the Lord, that's the kind of people I want to have in my life, in my close circle of friends. When you think about who's going to influence your life and your faith and your beliefs and your attitudes and your behavior, <laughs> don't choose somebody that's just on a rant on television, slinging mud at others. Choose people who have demonstrated that they genuinely care about you. Also, choose influences who walk the talk. Let's go on. Verse 5. Dear friend, you are faithful in what you are doing for the brothers and sisters, even though they are strangers to you. They've told the church about your love. Please send them on their way in a manner that honors God. It was for the sake of the name that they went out, receiving no help from the pagans. We ought, therefore, to show hospitality to such people so that they may work together for the truth. I wrote to the church, but Diotrephus, 
who loves to be first will not welcome us. So when I come, I will call attention to what he is doing, preaching or spreading malicious nonsense about us. Not satisfied with that, he even refuses to welcome other believers. He also stops those who want to do so, and he puts them out of the church. Oh, there's a brother that didn't walk the talk. Dear friend, do not imitate what is evil, but what is good. Anyone who does what is good is from God. Anyone who does what is evil has not seen God. Several times in his various letters, Paul makes a rather bold statement. One that you'd almost think is a little bit on the egotistical side, but it really wasn't. We should be able to make the same statement as Paul. He said multiple times, imitate me. Follow my example. Follow me as I submit myself and follow Christ. Do what I do. Now that's a bold statement. But it's one that every one of us should be able to say. And it should be the statement of those that we are allowing to influence us. Not like this guy who was claiming to be part of the church, yet not following through with the actions that he should have been. I mentioned before a mentor of mine by the name of C.K. Barnes who once told me, don't just practice what you preach, but preach what you're already practicing. And that really helped me. I mentioned in the past uh, Drew Manning in previous messages. He's a fitness trainer. And he's got a really unique approach to helping people get in shape. And he wants to really relate to them, empathy. So years ago, probably five, six, he was in excellent shape, as most personal trainers are. One year, he decided to stop working out, and he spent six months eating at McDonald's and eating desserts and doing all that stuff, and he managed to gain 70 pounds. And he did it intentionally. He went back to his fan base, and he said, okay, I can relate to where you are. Follow me. Do what I do, and I'll show you how to go from being fat to being fit. If you follow me, I can do it, and you can do it. And within a year, he had lost the 70 pounds and hundreds of other people who had followed that journey. Now, he did that intentionally. Why? Because he wanted to lead by example. He proved that his fitness advice isn't just theory, it works in real life. So in choosing our influences, we've got to ask that question, is this person authentic? Pastor Allen mentioned our first of four values here at Wenatchee First Assembly is authentic community. Authentic community. You know what that means? That means when you're not having a good day, you're honest and just saying, you know, I'm not having a good day. When you're confused because God didn't answer your prayer that he 
the way that he answered somebody else's prayer instead of just brushing it off. And if you're wrestling with your faith in authentic community, we can share that with one another and say, you know, I'm struggling right now. It's really a, a tough time. I'm not even sure God's with me anymore. God's not going to be upset about that. It's okay to ask questions. You know, man, even Jesus on the cross looked up and said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Jesus asked a why question. And he's our perfect example. So I'm talking about authenticity here. By our example, do we practice what we preach? Do we preach what we practice? And those people who are speaking into your life, are they authentic? Are they walking the talk? You might have heard this poem. I'd rather see a sermon than hear one any day. I'd rather one should walk with me than merely tell me the way. The eyes of better pupil and more willing than the ear. Fine counsel is confusing, but example is always clear. And the breast of the best of all preachers and the men who live their creeds for to see good put in action is what everybody needs. I soon can learn to do it if you'll let me see it done. I can watch your hands in action, but your tongue too fast may run. And the lecture you deliver may be very wise and true, but I'd rather get my lessons by observing what you do. For I might misunderstand you in the high advice you give, but there's no misunderstanding of how you act and how you live. Let the Holy Spirit marinate that in your heart. Because you're influencing your children, your grandchildren, your landlord, your co-workers, your employer, all those around you. But also, allow the Holy Spirit to apply that to the people that you are allowing to influence your life. You've heard it. It's been around for 400 years. St. Francis of Assisi said, preach at all times and if necessary, use words. I love that. Look for people who preach with their actions. Okay, the third thing. So we have to choose people or we have to choose um, influences that really care about us. We have to choose influences who are really authentic and walking the talk. And then we have to in, uh, choose influences who have a good reputation. Verse 12, Demetrius is well known by everyone and even by the truth itself. We also speak well of him and you know that our testimony is true. Oh, I have much to write you, but I do not want to do so with pen and ink. I hope to see you soon, and we will talk face to face.
Peace to you. The friends here send their greetings. Greet the friends there by name. Isn't it interesting that we return to that face-to-face? We saw that uh, earlier, and here we see it again. Face-to-face. Making sure that a person's reputation is one that will give them credibility in your life. See, the fitness, te- uh, the fitness trainer, there's no way that he would have any credibility had he not lost that 70 pounds. He could still preach the message, but if they didn't see it happen, he wouldn't have credibility. And there's times that we've seen that happen when a person's reputation is either better or worse than they really are. But you see, our reputation is what we've earned. (laughs) Not all of the time, but there are exceptions to be sure. It's what we have earned. That's why Paul says in his letter to Timothy that a leader must have a good reputation, one with outsiders, because most of the time the reputation that a person has is the reputation they've earned. As many of you know, my father-in-law for years restored Model Ts. So every time we went back to Colorado, I would ride in a Model T. I'd be out in the shop trying to help him with his Model T projects. He still has five. 90 years old, still has five Model Ts in his shop. But through the years, I've learned a lot about Henry Ford. And Henry Ford has said, Henry Ford is no theologian, but he, he has a quote that I really like, and it fits in well here. He says, you cannot build a reputation on what you're going to do. There's a lot of preachers, there's a lot of people in our life that are always talking about what they're going to do. And I'm not dissing people with vision. What I'm saying is, A good reputation is earned. In other words, it's action, accomplishment, it's faithfulness, it's longevity, it's the steadfastness. Those are the people, the steadfastness of a June Acton or Virgil Brown in our congregation. Man, they've been through thick and thin. They've been through when our church was on the mountain and down in the valley. And you know something? They just didn't let that affect them because they're people of the word. They've got their eyes on Jesus. Solomon said, a good name is more desirable than great riches. That reputation. Why is that? Because a good name is harder to earn and hang on to. So when someone over the course of time has maintained a good reputation and has spoken well of everyone in the church, in the community, you just put a lot of stock to that. Another reason a good reputation is important is just because of the time factor. It's easy for any of us to make a good reputation, a first impression, good first impression. Man, you can, you know, make a good first impression. You can wow people in the initial stages of a relationship. But it's the long haul. The long term, choose to be influenced, friends, by those who have enough maturity to have built a history of a good reputation. Life's way too complicated for us to 
make it all the way on our own. We're in this thing together. We're in a journey together. We need one another. We need examples to follow. And as Christ followers, as part of Wenatchee First Assembly, please choose your influencers carefully. Don't let the TV news networks. Don't let those who are so riled up and just preach nothing but doom and gloom. Oh, there might be hard times ahead, but I saw how God delivered Daniel through his hard time. I saw how God delivered Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego. I saw how God delivered Paul. I look back in 36 years here in Wenatchee, and I see the faithfulness of God through our difficult times. So I'm not worried about difficult times ahead because God is with us always. Promise never to leave us, never to forsake us. And I want to be influenced by people, particularly in this polarized day we live in. I want to be influenced by people who are going to help me to be steadfast in my relationship with Jesus, to trust his word. And we all have a choice to be a product of our surroundings and our culture. <laughs> I want all of us to choose today to be careful about who we are allowing to shape our thinking and our doing. Choose who you will allow to speak into your life. Look for those who really care about you. Not just say the right stuff, but really care about you. Choose those who walk the talk, who don't just say it, but actually practice it. And choose those who have already earned a good reputation by their past performance. Those are the kind of people that fit that criteria that we found out of 3 John this morning. Listen to their words. Follow their example. Let's pray. Jesus, I thank you that you give us principles for living, even in the 21st century, through your word. And I thank you, Lord, that John and his writing have shown us the power of influence, the power that people have in our life. And God, we don't intentionally allow negative people to influence. We don't intentionally allow what we watch on television or the things that we read to influence. But today, Lord, we confess that they do influence us. Whoever we watch, whoever we listen to, the kind of music, the kind of people we surround ourselves with. God, I pray today as we bring this service to a close that we just spend a moment to allow your Holy Spirit to show us if there's anything in our life that's a bad influence. Maybe it's a news program. Maybe it's some music that we listen to that's more destructive than helpful. Maybe it's those negative Nellies that we hang around that can only see doom and gloom. Help us, Lord, to navigate and to 
Continue to love those people, but not to allow them to influence us. Help us, Lord, to be very intentional this fall about who we allow to speak into our life, who we surround ourselves with. And may they fit the biblical criteria. People who are genuinely concerned about us, people who not only have a good reputation, but people who are steadfast and who have proven that they walk, not just talk, the principles of God. And then, Lord, reveal to us those that we need to spend more time with. People who will point us to Jesus, people who will be positive and optimistic, people who will show us good things instead of just tearing down and throwing mud at the people they don't like. Help us, God. to be good influences to others and to choose our influencers with biblical care. In Jesus' name, let's stand together as we sing this last song.